The Vegas Golden Knights have defeated the Dallas Stars and are advancing to the Stanley Cup final for the second time in franchise history. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about this VGK team and how they got to where they're at. We'll talk a little bit about the Dallas Stars and what comes next for them after a successful season under Pete DeBoer for the first time. And then to close out, we'll talk about a few teams that we expect to take some big steps next season, some teams with Stanley Cup aspirations and a few teams as well that are just hoping to make the playoffs but start taking the right step for their organization. All of this and more coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi and hello, hockey fans. Welcome back to the Locked On NHL podcast, Western Conference Tuesday edition. My name is Dane Lewis, host of the Locked On Stars podcast, and I'm joined by my co-host, Seth Topal of Locked On Minnesota Wild, here to present everything you need to know about the Western Conference as it pertains to the National Hockey League. And we are uh, here to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, the Dallas Stars, as well as a few teams that we think should have some heavy expectations placed upon them next season. Plenty to discuss today, but first we do want to thank you for stopping by and making Lockdown NHL your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast at. We're free and available no matter where or how you choose to listen. And Seth, we, we finally have a very clear picture of the end of this NHL season. The Vegas Golden Knights are champions of the Western Conference for the second time in their franchise's history. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, first year as head coach. Jack Eichel, his first go-around in the playoffs. Does it feel like that, that this was kind of the inevitable outcome? Do you feel like we were watching the, the best team in the West the whole time? Or, uh, I mean, how, how do you analyze the, this playoff run for the VGK so far? Well, you know, it's interesting because I feel like Vegas's run to the cup final mirrors a lot of what Florida has done. You get the great goaltending from a guy that you maybe didn't expect to be in this spot in Aiden Hill. You get Jack Eichel emerging uh, in a similar way to Matthew Kachuk and playing just sensational hockey uh, here over these uh, these last few weeks. And they, they play a similar style. They're very physical. They want to try to limit opportunities defensively. Credit to Dallas for making it a push um, and, and getting it to within three games to two. But at the end of the day, Vegas, I think, just kind of realized in game six that they had this opportunity to try to seize and boy, you, you could not have had a better start for the golden Knights and a couple of goals from your fourth line. And before you know it, uh, it's all said and done and you get to try to cool down maybe the hottest team in the NHL in the, uh, the Florida Panthers. So that's your consolation prize for uh, coming out of the Western conference. Yeah, certainly was not going to be an easy task for either the Vegas Golden Knights or the Dallas Stars if they were able to pull off the comeback. The the Panthers, even though they've been resting for a while, have been nearly unstoppable ever since defeating the Boston Bruins uh, in the first round. And you, you mentioned the goaltending on this team. I mean, it's just been an absolute gauntlet for this VGK club this season. Logan Thompson injured. Laurent Brossois is injured. Uh, it feels like just every time they try to plug someone into the goalie position, it's been an injury or, or something has gone wrong for this organization, yet they still find a way to not just stay afloat, but 
in a lot of ways get some fantastic goaltending from Aiden Hill, who had two shutouts in the conference final against the Dallas Stars team that was, you know, top 10 off offensively all season long. Jason Robertson, 109 points. You had Pavelski, Rope Hintz. I mean, it's a good Dallas offense and, of course, a good VGK defense, too. But Aiden Hill deserves a ton of credit. And I, if I'm not mistaken, his contract does expire at the end of this season. And I have to feel like even though he's, you know, kind of in the, the middle age of, of what you would consider a hockey career, especially for a goalie at 27, I have to imagine that he's earning himself a pretty nice contract somewhere, whether that's Vegas or somewhere else. Do you do you think that's the case? I know he's kind of traveled around a bit already, Arizona, San Jose, Vegas, but seems like this is, you know, he's taken advantage of his opportunity and he's found some new life in his career. I, I think you're you're spot on. And it also kind of underlies the fact that it's important to put a quality team around a goalie. I mean, Hill had some decent starts with San Jose. He had some good moments, but just you know, you don't have a lot of quality players around him. And same thing in Arizona. It's just a lot of times you get left out on an island and you go to a Vegas team that has a a, a really great decor. They've got great physical forwards. And not to make it sound like he's not holding up his end of the bargain because he absolutely is, but those those guys take so much pressure off of the goalie by being able to just stop shots from getting through. He definitely has made himself some money here um, with, with this run in the postseason. And if I'm being completely honest, when Brossois got hurt, I was like, are we going to see Jonathan Quick? And then I completely forgot that they had Aiden Hill, too. So he, he's he been fantastic, and I, I think he definitely has shown that if the pieces around him are good, he can be a really good goalie, too. Yeah, and I, I'm I was right there with you. I whenever Brossois got hurt, I thought, oh, they have Jonathan Quick. Like he's won Stanley Cups before, he's won a Conn Smythe Trophy before, and so I was a little bit surprised to see them go with Aiden Hill over, you know, the the guy that knows what it takes to win in these playoffs in Jonathan Quick. But Aiden Hill has looked every bit the part, and I imagine a part of that is likely his relationship with Quick. And they might not know each other super well, having only been teammates for this brief window. But I, I imagine Hill has gotten some great advice from Jonathan Quick over these past few weeks. And obviously, again, you have a team that plays as well as the Vegas Golden Knights do in front of him, uh, and just about any goalie in the league could look like Aiden Hill has. But even even moving to the skaters, uh, you look just at this team absolutely loaded with depth, as you mentioned. In your eyes, who has kind of been the MVP for this team? Because I think it's easy to say Jack Eichel. I mean, he's a superstar player, but even just from a star's perspective, Eichel, I mean, he certainly did some damage, but it was a lot of these other guys. It was Marcia Soule, uh, William Carlson, I feel like was scoring a goal every five seconds against this Dallas Stars team. Just from your perspective and watching this series, but even the entirety of the postseason, who, who do you think has been kind of the, the MVP front runner in terms of skaters for this Vegas team? You know, that's that's a great question because I think the the odds on favorite would have to be Eichel. But I think we're seeing why it's so important to have that player that can take the lead and also the guys that can follow. I mean, you've got Jonathan Marchessault, who has been really, really good. Uh, you mentioned uh, William Carlson. They just have guys up and down the lineup that have really helped out. Um, I, I just... If you want to go to, you know, some of the other guys that you would expect, Mark Stone has maybe not been as big of an impact as you would think. 
But um, I mean, it it all starts with Eichel for me. He just has been he he's been skating on a different level. He's been facilitating and helping set teammates up, and so you're getting both sides of the coin. And the leaders are leading, but the setup guys are all playing so well that it just is forming this perfect mix and is allowing them to really just pounce on any team that they play. Yeah, yeah. Eichel has been spectacular and even was, you know, responsible, he and Marcia so for the, you know, a, a huge turning point in the series against the Stars in game two. The Stars have that, you know, that lead, the one goal lead late in the third period. And Eichel makes that play along the boards and kind of makes the no look pass to Marcia so crashing the slot. I mean, it's just little plays like that that make a huge impact. And I, that was maybe the turning point in the series where the Golden Knights captured momentum in that game, won the game in overtime, and really just, you know, we're full steam ahead for the remainder of the series, uh, maybe outside game four and five. But I mean, I, I personally keep him drawn back to William Carlson, just what he does offensively with 10 goals uh, leading the Vegas Golden Knights in the postseason. But he also just plays incredibly well defensively. I mean, he is a complete player. And I mean, he's one of those guys on this team that, you know, if you're building, you know, the perfect prototype guy for the playoffs, it's a guy like William Carlson. And I think Ivan Barbashev, a sneaky good pickup at the trade deadline. I know it did get some attention, but I feel like it got overlooked by some other moves that were made, uh, you know, especially out east. There was so much talk about Bo Horvat and Timo Meyer and uh, all, all of the guys that Boston got. And I feel like Barbashev, a guy who won the cup with the, the Blues not too long ago, I mean, he, he fits in perfect with this team and, and has made an impact night in and night out. And you add that in with the captain, Mark Stone, Chandler Stevenson, Riley Smith. I mean, you, you just go up and down this list unbelievable the talent that they have and incredible work for for Bruce Cassidy to do what he's done with this team and and get them back to the cup final which I mean it should be a pretty entertaining final round of these playoffs because I think it's fair to say that a lot of people are not surprised to see the Golden Knights here but the Florida Panthers a different story so I'm interested to see now what the matchup looks like with the Panthers it feels like they haven't played in two weeks and the Golden Knights will get a little bit of time off because we won't have game one till the weekend but should be an entertaining series nonetheless. Who, who do you think wins it? You know, I it's hard for me to go against the Panthers. We are going to see, do the Panthers get a little rusty with the amount of time that they've had off? I think it's going to help Bobrovsky. It's going to help him just get his legs back under him. And it may give the Panthers, you know, that, that full reserve of energy for game one and game two before this thing really starts to tighten up. It, this is going to be it's going to be a fascinating chess match between these two teams. It's going to come down to little details at the at the end of the game. These two coaches are both brilliant tacticians. And the interesting part here is you have the Panthers who have been called for penalties here and there throughout the postseason. And Vegas just they they really don't get called for penalties. So you've got those contrasting styles, too. I'm still going Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm right there with you and call it, you know, bitterness for, for the Golden Knights knocking my team out of the playoffs. But I, I also, I mean, sometimes you're just unstoppable. And I feel like that's what this Panther team Panthers team is right now. Uh, I don't think you take down the Bruins and the Maple Leafs and even the, you sweep the hurricanes. I mean, you don't do that on accident. Uh, and I, I'm interested to see how Vegas matches up with the team that just plays as fierce as the Panthers. Cause it feels like the Golden Knights haven't faced a ton of adversity uh, maybe the Stars gave them the most quote-unquote adversity <laughs> through the, the first three rounds. I mean, they blew past Winnipeg, really made pretty quick work of the Oilers as well. And 
you know, for the most part, handled the stars in 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 six games. But yeah, I, I mean, game four and five, I feel like you know it was adversity. But even then, I mean, they could have won game four. It went to overtime, and Dallas finally gets one to go their way. So I'm interested to see if they're able to keep this going, or if Florida proves to be an actual you know test where where this goes a true six seven games where it's back and forth and no one's winning consecutive matchup should be a ton of fun like you said two good coaches two incredible teams led by some of the best young talent in the world or yeah i guess you can still say kachuk and eichler young compared to some other guys in the league but should be an intriguing final for sure but with every series that ends we celebrate one team that wins and of course one team heads home defeated with with their heads hung low a little bit after making it so deep only to be sent packing we'll talk about the dallas stars and what's next for them uh, after we take a quick break and say thank you to one of the sponsors of today's episode, that is, of course, Athletic Greens and their product, AG1. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, recovery, energy, focus, and aging. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I want to thank you again for making the Locked On NHL podcast your first listen every single day. Dane Lewis, Seth Topal with you here on this Western Conference Tuesday edition and the Vegas Golden Knights have advanced to the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Dallas Stars are done for the season. Uh, what was, in, in my mind, a, a pretty remarkable season that just comes to a, a bitter end after a 6-0 defeat in Game 6. And Seth, I'm interested to get a, an outsider's perspective. Of course, I, I follow this team very closely, so I might you know, be biased in some ways or look at things a little different. But as someone who covers a rival team and as, you know, on the, the outside looking in a, of you know, what this Stars team did. I mean, what what was it? I feel like the Stars have just had such a different identity over the past few years defensively. And then here under Pete DeBoer, it seems like they take some steps. I mean, how do you analyze what you saw from the Stars during the playoffs? Because I know we both uh, were locked into that first round series, every game, every shift. And then, you know, it. I feel like that series alone took a ton out of the Stars just from a physical perspective. Uh, yet they still find a way to get past Seattle, but then just run out of gas at the end. And that's that's, I think, the appropriate word, because I've seen a lot of discussion as to whether or not Jake Ottinger kind of hit a wall with this being near his career high in terms of games played. I think his total was 77 coming into this season and he played in 81. So obviously there could be potentially something there. For Dallas, it just it's similar to what we've seen with uh, a lot of teams that get knocked out at this point. You You have. Jason Robertson showing some signs late in the series, but you have a lot of guys that just aren't able to uh, put the puck in the net. I mean, Tyler Sagan is one that just, he didn't have that same impact 
as he did against Minnesota. And you, you look at Jamie Ben, you look at Joe Pavelski, um, the Ben thing, it's unfortunate to have kind of that more negative impact than a positive one that obviously hurts as well. But I think at the end of the day, it just was Vegas doing a good enough job of slowing those guys down and having some of their second line, third line, fourth line guys be able to consistently contribute. That was the difference in the series for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you touch on Jamie Ben, and I mean, it's a shame that the season is ending the way that it is for him because that this was a huge season for him, just statistically 33 goals, 78 points and played the entire 82 games. And, and it's, you know, obviously he got to come back for game six, but didn't really make the impact that you would have liked to have seen him make. But I know a lot of people are going to remember him this season for, you know, the, the, stupid cross check that he did and i i know that i've talked at nauseum about that on locked on stars on how that was just a poor decision uh, and i know jamie has since eventually i know it took a little bit of time but you know has taken some accountability for his actions i know some people are still displeased with what he did and, and rightfully so it was not a smart play but throughout the entirety of the season i mean it was one of his best seasons in terms of penalties only you know only 34 penalty minutes for jamie ben this season which is remarkable his career high is 88 that he got back uh, actually last season so you know I feel like he took some steps back in terms of drawing penalties and getting himself in trouble but it's unfortunate that now all offseason I feel like that's what people are going to remember is the cross check yeah. and just a disaster of, of game three I mean it started with that and then you know the Golden Knights get out to that lead the stars fall flat fans are throwing trash on the ice think I, I they made me thankful that the stars were able to able to rally and you know wins game win games four and five and leave a I guess somewhat of a better taste in the mouth although a 6-0 defeat in the final game of the season not 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 the best way to go about it but I think you you hit on a lot of good notes too with Ottinger and Robertson you know both those guys are still so young and still finding their footing in this league and I will say after after the game on Monday night Pete DeBoer did mention that Several guys, and this is the case for every team that plays in the playoffs, are nursing injuries. But of course, you know, if they were too severe, they wouldn't have been playing. But he did make sure to harp on the fact that Jake Ottinger was not 100% healthy, especially in this series against Vegas. So clearly, the coaching staff believed that he was capable of playing. So you would have liked to have seen more production out of him. But there's also that side of we don't know what the extent of the injury was and how much he was hindered by that. Uh, and, and again, that I mean, this happens at the end of every postseason where, you know, you realize that guys are playing and they a lot of times maybe shouldn't be so uh, it, it's a weird ending to a season that was otherwise pretty remarkable uh, for the stars who you know finished second in the central division uh, had you know their first 100 point score in franchise history and Jason Robertson Mike Madonna had 93 back when the stars first moved to Texas and it kind of felt like no one was ever going to surpass that record but you know 109 points 46 goals Joe Pavelski uh, as he continues to grow older, 77 points, and he's coming back for one more season. It, it just feels like like sad, but you know, optimistic at the same time for this team because a lot of this core is coming back. Uh, really, the only big question mark of a free agent is Ty Delandria, who I imagine the Stars will look to come back, but he's not going to draw you know Jason Robertson or Rope Hintz level money. Uh, and and so I, and again, I'm going to sound incredibly biased, but I feel like this team has. A, there's a case to be made that they can be in this position for the next few seasons with, with the same core that is intact. Do you think that that's a, a shared viewpoint from across the division as someone who I, I know the wild kind of feel like that they, you know, if they add a few pieces, they can be kind of to this level as well. 
I think Dallas definitely will be at the top. If you just kind of take the temperature of the rest of the central division, Arizona and Chicago, you can pretty much throw them out immediately. <laughs> St. Louis took a step back and they're kind of trying to recultivate and, and move on the fly. So you probably throw them out Nashville, kind of the same thing. Although to be fair, Nashville played incredibly well down the stretch with some younger pieces. They did. So maybe you put them in the mix. Winnipeg is going to have one of those crossroads off seasons. You, you don't know if those core guys are going to stick around. So it's hard to put them in that mix. The Avalanche are just always going to be there, even with not having the funds to re-sign some core guys. So, yeah, you, you look at that. You Minnesota, for me, is going to be limited in what they can do over the next couple of seasons, which is where having young players to be able to help will be critical. So you look at that, and just by process of elimination, Dallas should be near the top of the Central once again next year. Uh, you're seeing the emergence of Jason Robertson to be just a, a lethal scorer in this league. And so you feel like if you have him, you get Jake Ottinger, you've got a, you've got a bunch of good pieces on this team. They should be contending uh, for the next few years, regardless of kind of how things are going with uh, some of their division rivals. Definitely. It'll be an interesting offseason. As, as I mentioned, a lot of these key players are locked up long term. But I mean, you would hope that the Stars would look to bolster the defense a little bit, maybe pick up a few free agents and, uh, of course, some pretty talented prospects looking to make the team next year as well, including Logan Stankoven, who's been uh, just an absolute stud in the Western Hockey League this season and, uh, you know, playing just about anywhere that you can, whether it is the WHL or, you know, world tournaments going up against some of the best talent across the globe uh, in terms of hockey. So I think plenty to be excited about for the stars, but again, a disappointing end to a pretty fun and enjoyable season, but we'll move on from the teams that were in the Western conference final. And we're going to close out here talking about some teams that have some pressure on them to either get to the Stanley cup final or who should outright win one here in the next few seasons. Cause Seth and I think that there are plenty of teams across the conference that have high aspirations, but just haven't been able to get there. We'll talk about who's under the most pressure to win the Stanley Cup out West coming up next. Dane Lewis, Seth Topal here, locked on NHL Western Conference Tuesdays. Thank you again for making us your first listen every single day. Appreciate all the everydayers out there making locked on NHL part of their daily routine. And we've talked about the Golden Knights and the Stars, and now the Golden Knights are on to the, the Stanley Cup final, rather. But Seth and I do have some thoughts on some teams out West that believe that they should be in the same position as the VGK maybe as soon as next season. And we want to talk a little bit about which teams have the most pressure on them to have these successful runs here over the next handful of seasons. And Seth, I'll, I'll let you get us started. I know that we had a mutual number one team. I feel like it's pretty obvious that there's one team that, uh, given the talent and some of the personnel that they have on their roster, feel like they should be getting to the Stanley Cup final, but they just haven't got there yet. Yeah, it's got to it's got to be Edmonton for me. I mean, a team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl on the roster, your expectation is that you're going to be a playoff team. You you're probably having to at a base level get to like the advance out of round 1. Like that's your base level for expectations and they just haven't been able to go beyond that. They've been trying to get the goaltending position ironed out, it seems like, for like a decade. You maybe have in Stuart Skinner, but as long as you have McDavid and Dreisaitl together, 
which that time might be running out, um, you have to like they have to get to one. They have to to win one in order for that franchise to feel like they've taken the next step. And to your point, they they have not been able to get to the top of the mountain, even with those two guys. And so I would think any list in terms of next season's expectations would have to start with with uh, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, it's it's bizarre just because I I feel like they made the moves necessary throughout the season. Uh, I thought they had a really good trade deadline of picking up some really nice pieces, Ekholm, Bugstad, just to name a few. I I, I thought that they made the moves necessary, and I, Stuart Skinner, a young goalie, a, a, a rookie goalie, but seemed like he was finally maybe the answer for the Oilers in the crease. But you know, it, it just wasn't meant to be. And and of course, I, I know firsthand from having just watched them dismantle the Stars that. Vegas is a good team, but it, it felt like a letdown after making it to the conference final the year before. I mean, you get swept by the Avalanche. Again, that Avalanche team was just absolutely on fire, and it was going to be difficult to beat them anyway. So, you know, you kind of feel like, oh, you make it to the conference final. Maybe you make it back there next year and then take that next step. And I, I thought they made some good moves to get there, but clearly there, there still needs more to be done. Uh, and yeah, yeah, you, you're right. You hit the nail on the head that you know, the time could be running out with Dreisaitl and McDavid. In the future, I feel like maybe you can still hold on to one of them long term, but I feel like at some point, if, if there's a continued streak of, of these runs that end in the second or third round, that you know one or both of them could be moving on, and it, it could be a, a change of scenery for for those players and for the Oilers organization. Yeah, it's there's going to have to be something different about their approach after a while, because otherwise you're just kind of ramming your head into the wall over and over and expecting that eventually you're going to break through. Well, it, it's not that easy. So it, it may take trading Leon Dreisaitl before he heads to free agency to bring in some young pieces to put around Connor McDavid. Ultimately it's, it just, I think shows how difficult it is even with two of probably the top 10 players in the NHL on your roster, it's still really hard to uh, to win a Stanley Cup. And so I, I would imagine they're going to try to mostly run it back. But if that doesn't work, then at some point, you got to start thinking about looking at this thing uh, from a uh, different perspective to uh, try to get a better result. Absolutely. And sticking out in the Pacific Division, a, a team that I feel like always comes into the playoffs with high expectations. They typically over the past few years have had a, a very solid offense and a lot of production, but maybe the defense and goaltending falls short and it, it is exposed in the postseason. What about the LA Kings? I know that they're kind of in this weird place where they have some of the veterans from, you know, the, the 2010s that were around for the Stanley cups that they won. And then they have some of these new faces as well. I know Kevin Fiala was a shot in the arm to the offense this year. Coming over from Minnesota, uh, guys like Adrian Kempe, Gabriel Velarde was a nice story, especially early on in the season. Uh, the Golden, or not Golden Knights, but the the Los Angeles Kings just feel like this team that always seems to be trending upward in the regular season. They get a ton of buzz behind them, but now it's been two years in a row that we've seen them fall short in the first round, and it, it's been to the same team in Edmonton. But it, it feels like it's kind of a you know either continue and grow the team and start moving forward or. It, it could be heading for a regression. How do you see the LA Kings? Well, and stop me if you've heard this one before, but uh, for the Kings as well, it comes down to goaltending. They had Jonathan Quick forever, and then he really started to show his age this year. So they move on. They get Jonas Corposalo at the trade deadline. 
he looks pretty good. And so maybe he's the guy going forward. But I mean, for as, as big of a stride as that team took offensively, you know, now you're looking at just trying to fine tune that formula. If you keep most of that core intact, you're just trying to fine tune it at a piece here, a piece there. And uh, if you get your goaltending situation shaped up, that could definitely be a team that uh, that could make some noise. So I, I think it is appropriate to put them higher up on the list because of the amount of talent they have. Kevin Fiala, other guys like they they're going to need to really show some big strides here uh, in the next year or two. Otherwise, they're going to be looking at a similar problem. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's the teams that maybe have cup aspirations, teams that have made the playoffs over the past few years, but have fallen out. But there's also, I I believe, a few teams that, you know, haven't been to the playoffs in some time, or if they have, it's been a very quick stay. Who are some other teams that you expect or think have the most pressure on them to start taking the next step in the growth of the organization? Maybe some teams from this season that missed out on the playoffs, but maybe you think could sneak into a wild card spot next season. Uh, depending on if they're able to make the right moves in the offseason and, and put the pieces together. You know, it's interesting because we look at where Anaheim has been for like five years. They just have not been able to really, they, they've been able to accumulate some really good players. They've got Trevor Zegris, um, but they really haven't shown progress in, okay, we're building towards something by getting all these high draft picks. And so at some point, there's going to be some pressure on them to take that next step forward. Otherwise, like, what what have we been doing for the last, you know, six, seven, eight years? So I would say Anaheim kind of has some sneaky pressure on them. Arizona, with all the publicity that they've had with their stadium situation, could be another one uh, because they really kind of, they put some things together at the end of the season. So do they build off of that? this season with a higher pick and obviously Chicago uh, getting Connor Bedard. There's going to be just a ton of pressure on him to be the savior, to be the chosen one to bring them back to where they want to go. And so there's going to be probably a, there's going to be a little bit of an, an understanding that he needs to grow into it. But after, you know, one, two years, if they haven't taken a step forward either, that'd be a problem too. Absolutely. And I, I would maybe, you know, n- not to the same extent as some of those teams, but I think, you know, you talked about the Nashville Predators earlier and, you know, how they had some young talent really step up down the stretch of the season. I, I would be interested to see them, you know, try and take some kind of next step this offseason or this season because they're kind of in this weird purgatory spot where they have some really nice veteran pieces, Yossi, Duchesne, Forsberg, but, you know, you have other guys like Cody Glass and, it feels like they're maybe you know a handful of pieces away from maybe not being a full-on cup contender, but a team that can make the playoffs and and make some noise in a first-round series. They didn't make it this year. They they fell into some unfortunate injury circumstances, especially in net last year, and of course had the dis, displeasure of facing Colorado in round one. But I mean, this feels like a team that's you know kind of just been teetering on the brink for a while now, and it's similar to Los Angeles. It's it's like either take that next step and and grow or you know, kind of start to tear down and rebuild. And I feel like this season will really kind of be the the test of where they're truly at to see if those young guys are legitimate or if it was just a an end-of-season spark where maybe they were a little bit more fresh and they were going up against some teams that maybe weren't as fresh. I, I feel like Nashville is kind of in that weird space where I 
maybe kind of how I felt about Winnipeg this time last year, where I just didn't know how to feel about them going forward. Yeah. And, you know, they really might could take some people by surprise next season. Here's another interesting one. And we this kind of coincides with what we talked about last week for the uh, everydayers that tune in. How about the Calgary Flames? Yeah. In taking that roster, you're putting somebody at head coach to try to help get them to the next level. Uh, if that team feels as strongly about their roster as they probably should, then the expectation for them is going to be that they're a playoff team next year with a different voice. So there's going to be some big, uh, big expectations, I think, for the Flames too, to get back on track now that they've gotten rid of what they clearly identified as their problem. Yeah, yeah, I, that's the team I thought of as well. I mean, I mean, you just look at this roster, and it was obviously great last year. Still so many good pieces, and who knows what they're able to do here in the offseason. But if you can get a coach that can unlock you know, a player like Jonathan Huberdeau and get him playing the way that he was playing in Florida, and you mix that in with Lindholm, Kadri, Toffoli, uh, you know, Dylan Dubé, Andrew Mangiapane, I mean, that, that's a deadly, deadly team. And I just feel like they were maybe being held back by you know, the, the coaching situation. And, you know, that's a, a passionate fan base that I know has high expectations as do many of the, of the teams that we just discussed, but it'll be interesting to see as the off season starts to approach the kind of moves that get made. I know it might not be the juiciest free agent class, but there always seems to be some sort of drama in the NHL in the off season, but that is going to do it for today's episode of locked on NHL. Seth, let the people know where they can find you and find your work. If they're interested in anything Minnesota Wild related. Make sure you follow along with Lockdown Wild. You can find us anywhere, your favorite podcast platforms, YouTube, social media. Just search Lockdown Wild and you'll find the latest content we have for you. Keeping an eye on the Minnesota Wild. Uh, does sound like there's going to be an announcement as to the new Iowa Wild head coach coming uh, later here. So uh, that should be up by the time uh, listeners are tuning into this episode. So we'll dive into that announcement and what it means for Minnesota as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Seth, T-O-U-P-S. And uh, we're keeping you as updated on Minnesota Wild content as we can throughout the rest of the offseason into next season as well. Absolutely. And for myself, you can find me on Twitter. Just search at Dane double underscore Lewis. And if you want to find more information on the Dallas Stars, our offseason content is going to be kicking off on Wednesday uh, for player evaluations, team evaluations, coach evaluations, all that good stuff. Just search Locked on Stars on YouTube or wherever you find your podcast, as well as on social media, Instagram and Twitter. But thank you for tuning in again and making Locked on NHL your first listen every single day. Uh, Seth and I will be back next week, and I'm sure we'll have a little bit to discuss in terms of the Stanley Cup final and how the Golden Knights are playing, as well as any other news that comes out of the Western Conference, whether it be coaching hires or anything else of that nature. We'll have you covered here. Hope you guys enjoy your Tuesday, and we'll catch you next time.